Good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from our live mobile Cloudcast studios here in Las Vegas. We're actually recording at EMC World. We're here with Aaron. Hello, everyone. And we're here with a couple of the guys from Puppet. Guys, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? G'day. My name's Nigel. I'm CTO at Puppet Labs. And I'm Teo Tyree. I am a co-founder and head of business development. And we're also here with a longtime friend of the show, Nick Weaver, who, although he's got something to actually say, is sort of here blatantly to make sure he stays ahead of Christian Riley in a number of visits to the show. So, Nick, welcome back, man. Thank you. I think uh, there's supposed to be one up on Christian. That's right. We so always you, want to stay one up on you gotta Christian. you got to get the crown back. That's right. So, guys, the reason we're here today, and thanks for everybody for coming, uh, so kind of an interesting thing. Yesterday at the keynote, uh, Pat announced 42 new products, which are all sort of traditional things. Um, you guys got kind of a cool announcement. What, uh, what have you been working on? What's going on between EMC and Puppet Labs? So I guess I'll start, and I'll let, let you guys tap it off. We, the, the history is we decided about six, seven months ago, we were looking at uh, provisioning for bare metal, for virtual metal, and we discovered that there was a bit of a lack of good tools out there that work really well with DevOps systems. We, we decided internally that we really wanted to play with some DevOps tools like Puppet Labs and figure out how to design and configure things at scale, play around with different options. But we had all this hardware we wanted to use with it, and we realized there's a big disconnect between the hardware and then the configuration tools up top. Yep. And so we decided to put together a list of what if you could build something that integrate really well with a DevOps tool. Yep. You could do it in a way that it's like your top 10 hit list of what it would do. Okay. And so we put together some ideas, and then we went out and visited the Puppet Lab, Labs guys and presented it to us and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And we were pretty excited. Yeah, like, yeah. They, Razor, which is the thing we're talking about here, is built on sort of inventory and discovery technologies we already had in Puppet Lab software. And it's, it's amazing. It's really, really flexible. It's as easy as provisioning cloud and virtualization instances, but it's all on bare metal. We, we were really aligned because I, I, I sent them an email, just like probably the longest email I sent this year, a rant about how it irritated me that all the bare metal provisioning tools didn't behave like hot. Like I, the fundamental difference is you're, you're talking about inventory versus capacity, and none of them expose that. So okay. I just wanted to be able to ask for some inventory, use it, and give it back. And one of the worst things is there's never a really good communication chain between them, so you, do, you have your bare metal provisioning, and people resort to happy solutions like dropping files on disk with certain little right. bits of information. And we can do better than that, and Razor does. Okay, so let me let me make sure I got this. So, uh, the project that we're doing together is called Razor. Is That's that right. is that gonna yep. be the official name? Yeah, if the, the official name is Razor. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing that seems sort of odd is this is gonna be an open source project, right? Right. Completely so, open source out in the community. So, so, yeah. So, Nick, what I want to how'd you pull that off? Well, I, I, was not, <laughs> I cannot take the credit. For that. I, I was one of the ones that early on said this is something if we're gonna. So it, it comes down to this, you know, Puppet. Puppet's model, I'll let you guys actually describe in a second how you guys approach open source, I think you should say it. But Puppet's model, we felt, was very effective in, in working in the open cloud systems and open cloud computing, where things are evolving. And we looked at it and said, you know, if we're going to do something like this, and we're going to do it the right way, we got to approach this the same way they approach it. And so when we went to Puppet Labs, we said, listen, we want to do this with you. We'll do a lot of legwork on the bare metal side. We'll use your style, we'll use your theories and your design on how you do the inventory and the grabbing, we'll, we'll give you the details the way you want to get it. So we'll we'll do things with the vision from Puppet Labs, yep. but we'll do it in a way that we can release it the same way you guys would release it, as if it was your own. And so today, when we we've already released Laser today with this podcast, it's already out there on GitHub. You can go to Puppet Labs GitHub account. So what, what's the, uh, the URL for that? It's, it's, uh, Puppet Labs. 
GitHub slash Puppet Lab slash Razor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Cool. So we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So in, in right now, we actually released this. We handed this code. We donated it over to Puppet Labs, who have released it through their community source project. Do you guys want to maybe segue in what that means? Well, we, I mean, it was easy for us because this is how we work. We have a core platform, Puppet um, Integration Management um, platform, and, and that's all released under the Apache license. This is just another part of the platform. Okay. We'll roll, we'll roll it. It's a separate project that will kind of be part of that overall ecosystem. And for us, I think it's really important that the foundational parts of operations work are open source. Like, yeah. There's lots of commercial opportunities on top, but if you want to be serious, pervasive language for Absolutely. describing this sort of work, these days it's got to be open source. Right, right. And, and so uh, we're recording this, pre-recording this, so let's right. assume for a second Chad's, li- Chad's world goes well. Right. And what, of course it will. And, and for those that, that don't see Chad's, li- Chad's world live... What is going to be the demo and what's the takeaways from the demo? So so the demo we're doing at Chad's World tomorrow is going to be focused around um, taking a set of hardware. So in this case, the company, it's being used as an example, has a set of about 32 servers. They were doing other stuff and then they kind of, kind of got phased off those projects. Or one, a couple of them are free, like a year old, a few others are three years old, and a few others are five years old. What they want to do is they want to spin up a Cloud Foundry test bed for their development team to start playing with Cloud Foundry and evaluating it, right? And so, unfortunately, building a Cloud Foundry testbed on top of vSphere is quite a little bit of work, right? You gotta deploy the infrastructure, you gotta play a vSphere, you gotta configure vSphere, spin up vCenter, then you gotta start deploying the, v- the v Cloud Foundry pieces. And so there's multiple levels. And so our demo is actually the ability for Razor to take a look at the hardware, discover it, inventory it, find all the attributes. You have the ability inside of Razor to actually tag systems with unique tags based on how they're made. So for example, in this case, the newer servers are all Cisco UCS blades. And so Razor can actually tag, hey, all of these are UCS. All of these are a little older, but they're HPs. All of these are really old and they're Dells. And the advantage is is they can actually then deploy ESXi on top of these, right? And they're doing it dynamically based upon the information that they're getting. So we're not just slapping ESXi image on top, we actually have we actually have multiple models of ESXi, and depending on whether it's the gold cluster of UCS or the silver cluster of HP, we'd apply different models on top. But the real magic, the real magic is that we take those bare metal, just configured ESXi nodes, and we go, you know what, here you go, Puppet. Here is all these nodes, and here's the tags that go with them, here's the metadata we discover, and here's how we, they want to be grouped together. And then Puppet, I'll let you guys segue this part. Yeah, so then we, then we take that and we use Puppet to um, configure them to be separate. So, so you have a, a, a separate data center um, configured for And the really cool part about that is the Puppet actually inside of there, not only does it deploy vCenter also, so basically the Windows VM gets spun up on top of the SXI, the first SXI, Puppet actually installs the entire vCenter instance, hands off. Like in the video in Chad's world, you open up your Windows server after you create your vCenter model inside Puppet. You say, I want this to be vCenter, right? You declare what you want it to be. You open it up and say, hey, connect to Puppet, and then bam. It installs vCenter, installs SQL Server, it turns it on. What's even more special about that is in the same configuration where they designed vCenter inside the Puppet Labs interface on the dashboard, Mm -hmm. they actually go in and say, listen, I want you to take ESXi hosted and hand it here and go ahead and spin up, based on these attributes that were provided as part of the tagging, spin up the gold cluster, add the gold nodes to it, the gold ESXi nodes, spin up the silver cluster, add them to it, and then, you know what, let's go ahead and start deploying Cloud Foundry from Puppet right on top of that. So in the demonstration Chad's going to do, we go from, here's a bunch of servers, a mixture, old, new, really old. We figure out how we want to carve them. It automatically carves them up, automatically deploys ESX, automatically hands them to Puppet, automatically installs vCenter, automatically builds the clusters, and then automatically deploys the VMs on top and spins Cloud Foundry up. Very cool. It's 
it's pretty much magic. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Auto magic. It's, so, it's PFM. So, <laughs> pure freaking magic. <laughs> so, so I'm so I'm sort of listening to this. I mean, it, it sounds like from from sort of from day one, uh, this is a this is an interesting thing for obviously for for enterprise customers because it's uh, you're taking some things that you know this isn't this isn't getting into like it only works on purely commodity open cloud or uh, open compute hardware like it can work on anything right. Um, it can deploy stuff that maybe an enterprise might use. So if maybe they're more familiar with ESXi than, say, Zen or KVM, um, I'm assuming it probably can deploy those as well. So you know, in my blog post, I, I mentioned we designed Razor because we believe it should handle vSphere, anything, KVM, yeah. any kind of server, any okay. vendor, white box, whatever. Cool. So so it makes it easy for them to sort of move into more of a, of a DevOps cloud kind of environment that lets them work with the stuff they've got under the covers or, or what they've got today. In your inventory, it's not all buy brand new. Um, and then the cool thing that you guys have done together is you, the Razor gets it to a point. It gets the hardware to a point, it essentially inventories it, essentially tags it, kind of builds it into things that are uh, buckets, if you will, yeah. hands it off to Puppet, and you guys do what you do, you know, what you've been doing for a long time. And then we hand it back. It's another thing. Yeah, so the very important point you just segued is, is you have the ability to actually manage Razor from Puppet. And this is something we're still developing and working on. But Puppet's, and Razor's point in life is to hand over to a, a broker. It's what we call a broker. Puppet yeah. is the broker yeah. with this release. And it's, it's going to be the main broker. And so the, its goal in life is to go, look, I've got to take the information I've been given. I've got to do take a model I've been given and get this over to Puppet so we can do something really special with it, right? Yeah. And then, but Puppet, if, it's a, if you go to Puppet and you say, you know what? So now I have these 10, 10 nodes that I'm using as the XXI, but I want to redeploy them for an open stack cluster. Yeah. Because I want to I spin up open stack for some people. Puppet can hand them right back to Razor and say, you know what, let's, let's add a rule to deploy these 10 servers for open stack, hand it right back to Razor, and automatically they spin back in, hand right back to Puppet. This time they're labeled for open stack, and then open stack, I mean, then Puppet uses their new open stack solutions to automatically display open stack on top of them. So you can actually provision and reprovision dynamically. I think the Very thing cool. to point out too is when we keep saying inventory, we're not talking about the old days of a barcode scanner and right. an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> like this is the Puppet software underneath is feeding to Razor, automatically discovering all the information about the machine. So you can have things as simple as, you know, machines with 32 gigs of RAM should Absolutely. have this sort of an image, they should have 64 gigs, they should have this sort of an image, and all you do is add the RAM, reboot the machine, and Razor reboot it's an active inventory Very cool. And the cool thing is that the entire policy system is all event-driven also. Yeah. So you're not talking about a system like others out there where you got to go in and select 32 nodes and go, hey, go do this. Okay. You set your policies and rules, and you just throw hardware at it, and it follows whatever rules you give it automatically. Sweet. So so, uh, so this morning, um, Paul Moritz was doing his keynote, and he was, kinda, he was talking about sort of the difference between enterprise and how those are uh, admin, and, and he was kind of giving an example. He said, I went and talked to my buddies at Google, and they're thousand servers per admin. I mean, he was kind of trying to make a, a point of like how how much the web scale guys deal with their operations versus the enterprise. Uh, Nigel, you came from Google. Right? Yeah, so, so um, I'm not I, trying to call you out on no, no, but, cool. but you, you yeah, seem to be so really excited about, <laughs> excited about this project. This talk, about, so talk about I how think it all fits we, together. We built systems pretty similar to this, but they were sort of ad hoc and not really easily shareable. And okay. I think this is the case with you have people building really great sysadmin tools internally to their companies, but it's always for them because yeah. there's some internal system they have to interoperate with. There's some special bit of data, and they often don't end up making the generic solution for everyone. Razor, I think, gives us the same sort of things we implemented at Google of really simple reprovisioning of machines and what automatically building up your images and putting them on the right computers. And so let me ask you this. So 
as soon as Paul started kind of giving some of his points this morning and, and they hit that, like, Twitter, like, exploded with positive and negative of the whole idea of, well, most enterprises don't necessarily want to be like Google and they don't want to have that scale and they don't want to have this and they don't want to have that. And sometimes I see that with the kind of customers I deal with where it's more of a protecting the kingdom sure. of, you know, if you do that, well, then what do I do for my day job? Yeah, kind of so, deal, right? so what, what happens when, when people answer. say say to that, so right? I'm sure you get that a lot. We call it the unique snowflake syndrome, where companies really feel like everything they do is really unique. Just and like all the other snowflakes? We push back really hard on that. We go, actually, 90% of what most companies do is not unique. You're deploying web servers. You're deploying storage. You're deploying application stacks. Compliance and security. Yeah. It's, yes. These are common problems. We should all stop solving them individually and have reusable chunks of infrastructure the way Puppet lets you and concentrate on the 10% that makes your business special. Google are doing that. All the big companies are doing that. I think there's lots of lessons we can learn about agility and sort of insight into your infrastructure, but we can share an awful lot of the jobs we do as sysadmins. And then when you talk about protecting your kingdom, if you go to most CIOs, you say, look, you've got a choice. You can either you know, cut your staff by, by 20%, or you can get a 20% efficiency gain, or exactly. 100% efficiency gain. The, the, the usual idea of 75% or greater is keeping the lights on and I can't do anything new because I never have any time. Right. This gives you time. And I always want to do more. Right? Sysadmins are really special people in organizations. They're really central. They see lots of data flow. They see how different areas of the organization interact with each other. If you give those people more time to make your business better, you're not going to regret it. Think about the restructuring in banks. Like moving to having to do all these mobile applications. There's, those people are going to have to change the way they manage their infrastructure in order to be able to scale. Those are enterprises, right? And they have already had to deal with scale. Well, it's going to get bigger. Well, and it, and it really kind of highlights. I mean, I mean, the fact that, like you said, you're you're taking sort of like Google-like ideas, but you're making them open source out in the community. Anybody can use them. I mean, it really kind of forget about if it's a job. It's really kind of a numbers game. At some point, if you're CIO or CEO or whatever, and you're saying. What's it cost me to keep training people versus what they can bring in as, as just tools that work, right? Yeah. So if the tools work, the UIs are usable, they're documented reasonably well, you know, the same people can use those tools. You don't have to train, you don't have to retrain them as much. You don't have to, you don't have to say like, how am I going to, how do I grow my operation? Because I can't find them. I can't find them, right? So, so instead of those guys writing scripts, they can leverage the community. They can, so like you said, if, if you think about it as it's 90% stuff that's, don't think about it as like repetitive, but it's 90% stuff that everybody does. Just take advantage of what, what those people are doing. We talk to a lot of people who, like, one of the big benefits they find after they adopt Puppet is that they find it easier to hire Puppet people. Yeah. And yeah. Does, how often does it take to often onboard a sysadmin? You can spend six months, you know, understanding the particular bash scripting framework you've got with the little pearl add-ons that Joe wrote five years ago that we've yeah. still got to put up. So talk about that for a second. So, um, so from Puppet's perspective, you know, you're, you're talking about jobs. Like, you guys got to stay pretty up to date on like what goes on on the various message boards, looking for people with puppet skills or for those types. Like, how how fast is that growing? What's your what's your environment? Well, I'm trying like? to remember the stats. We've got a blog post up on the Puppet Labs blog about Indeed.com's job stats, and there's just this huge exponential growth. You just can't keep up. Can't keep up with it. On LinkedIn, like honestly, I I get an awful lot of puppet recruiting yeah. emails. Uh, from our, our <laughs> professional services side, mostly what we do is training. So okay. We, we do a lot of training. A lot. Of, we do. Um, a, a puppet camp to um, like once every three weeks right now. So we have and hundreds of people are showing up for each one of these and, uh, in small mid markets. You know, um, every, everywhere people are, are showing up for this. So we spend a lot of time um, kind of making an army of puppet people. And okay. I, I think we're close to one sales request a day of like uh, someone going, 
I need to come to a training because I want to learn Puppet to be a better sysadmin. Sure, very sure. cool. Well, listen, uh, in dynamic fashion, just like this tool is going to do things dynamically, we've dynamically added to the podcast. Dan Hewson, welcome. <laughs> hey, Dan, welcome, Dan is, welcome. Uh, distinguished you. engineer, part of the CTO's office, Nick's boss, and yeah. uh, a huge part of this from an EMC perspective. We were talking earlier, like, how did EMC pull this off to do an open source project? You were, this is you, the guy that actually gets the credit for figuring out how, how we would work this relationship out. You know, it was it was it was pretty simple in my view. I, you know, I really just uh, you know came forward and said, "Hey, we have we have uh, you know a, a piece of really good code that that we've written. Um, there's no, you know, it, it, there there you know there's a lot of prior art out there, but people did it badly, um, and uh, and so and we've done it well. We think we can build a community around it." Uh, we think that actually establishing a framework in the community in the space would be valu broadly valuable to EMC yeah. uh, because it would direct, uh, I, I think, our, our customers towards these model-based policy-driven tools like the public community has been, has been doing. And, uh, and for us, we could be the recipient of a lot of both goodwill, um, which is always a, a positive thing for me. But, but moreover, I think we can continue to mature this marketplace in a very meaningful way for EMC's revenue. So justified it on the business proposition and then, um, and then just drove through the, uh, you know, the angles of doing it. We've delivered to open source before, uh, but really nothing of this magnitude or to this kind of a community where we really uh, you know, launched a, kind of a new module as opposed to a set of bug fixes into the NFS community or something. So, okay. So before you joined on, you guys were talking about training, how people get engaged around public. Like just so for anybody that maybe isn't isn't uh, familiar with DevOps or they're not familiar with Puppet, they're kind of they're hearing about it. Like, what's the best way to just kind of get get your feet wet, stick your toes in the water? You guys talked about a class, and I've seen some stuff on your website where it's like you can learn it in an hour, get the over. Yeah, like, give so us the basics. we've got a bunch of documentation up on docs.puppetlabs.com. There's a bunch of quick start guides. We've got a learning VM you can download, and you can just start playing around with. That's actually how I learned. That's my. Last year, first time was the learning VM. I think that's a, a worth a big shout out to our awesome tech writer Nick for his work on the learning VM. We have public camps that are in that are regional, and then we have a big public conf um, in September in um, in San Francisco. There's the Pro Puppet book written by James Turnbull and Jeff McCune from Puppet Labs. We give those out a lot. It's a great book. Really like candy. Yeah. Yes, the candy. Um, and, and then on, on top of that, there are 350 some odd examples of puppet code in our module board. Yeah. That give people. A, usable examples that they can either just download and use them right on the box or they can hack on them themselves. And I want to make a good point about the, the module use. So something was really, really slick. We had mentioned it early on in the relationship as we were starting to develop Razor. We said it'd be really, really cool if while we're writing Razor, we don't worry about the install piece. Okay. Because our theory is if you're going to write something that integrates with DevOps, well, you'd be really slick if you use DevOps to actually deploy it. And so Nan, who works works for Teo, he, uh, he actually has a it's going to be on the Forge on the day of the release. So today it's not out there, but tomorrow it will be. We actually have a module in the Forge for deploying Razor with Puppet. It's very easy. You can just deploy Razor. You can even actually cool. technically provision Linux VM to play Razor on top of from Razor. It's, it's, it's Inception. It's crazy. It's right. The thing is, is you got down to a very simple, easy way using Puppet as an example for deploying the thing that integrates with Puppet, which is very awesome. Cool. Very cool. So, so I'm listening to this, and... and you know, there's part of part of my head that's sort of think from the DevOps perspective. Part of it's thinking from say EMC archers. Like this feels like it's one of those things that ought to get into. You know, we're sitting here at EMC World. They got a huge hands-on labs which lets you go play with stuff. This ought to become like the next module of I can spin this up and get it on demand anywhere I want to. It feels yeah, like you know, I, the amount, it's, it's crazy the amount of interest um, from different people who 
found out about it and know about it or interested in it, and they're saying, well, what if I could do this? And I'm like, yeah, you can. Yeah. Or we could extend it to do that. There's a lot of, this is really just a foundation, right? So we're really talking, Razor, what it does, it does, it does substrate. It yeah. does, I'm going to give you something that Puppet can do something awesome with, right? And it opens a whole bunch of possibilities, and it opens up imaginations, and there's all kinds of cool things you can do internally at EMC, externally with partners, vendors, we bars, should, we, it's a whole we, bunch of awesome Aaron, stuff. you and I should open up some sort of contest to the listeners, like, Show us how fast you can get it up and running. Show us how fast you get an app up and running. We'll give away some stuff. We'll give away some logo stuff. We gotta make. We gotta make something fun out of about we, we, we the community. We it is we'll put together and get a good gift together for a we contest totally like that. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're All right. in. We'll, we'll put something like that together. We'll get it on the blog post uh, out for tomorrow and everything. Well, guys, listen. Uh, the show's gonna start getting kind of crazy. It's gonna get loud in here. So for everybody on the show, for Nigel, for Teo, for Dan, for Nick. Aaron, uh, yep. thanks for listening. Uh, go out, check out the, the podcast tomorrow. We'll have links to everything once it becomes official, so you can go to Git and uh, and go download it and uh, have some fun with it. And uh, guys, thanks for being on. This is very very cool. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. having us. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. All right, guys, that's that's it for the show. Um, for everybody who listens, obviously you can go get it off the website cloudcast.net. Our Twitter account is the cloudcast.net. Of course, you can download us uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. And thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.